0: How do you build a life where you are excited to wake up in the morning, become excellent at what you do, and create the greatest possible good for yourself, others, and the world? That's our guiding question on The Master's Journey. Hey, my friend, this is Lucas Kramer, high performance coach, co founder, and your host on the Master's Journey podcast, where we have conversations with present and future masters of life and business to share with you how they found their path in life, the real challenges they have had to overcome, and how they did it, and what strategies, practices, and questions you can implement in your life to follow in their footsteps. And my guest today is the wonderful Linda Fitzgerald. Linda shares her expertise in personal and professional development and her roles as a coach, trainer, and speaker. She spent over 30 years in the corporate world, including Microsoft, the private sector, startup arena, as an entrepreneur, and with a non-profit. She's also developed a real reputation in the high-performance community for being insanely good at productivity and organization. Linda shares her coaching, insights, skills and frameworks to help you improve in all you do. She describes herself as a connector, connecting you to skills and experiences that will grow you and your business far beyond your expectations. Her challenge to all of us is, the best life is waiting for you. And we hope this episode will give you the next insights to make that happen. During our conversation, Linda shares insights from her productivity mindset so that you can also feel more productive during your days. What changing her major after the first week in college taught Linda about making important life decisions. And behind the scenes into her entrepreneurial journey of struggles, pivots, and eventually finding her path. Why it's so important to focus on your authentic strengths versus Copying other people. And as you know, as always, a lot more. I am so thankful to Linda for being vulnerable and sharing darker sides of the entrepreneurial journey and how she has been dealing with them in a world where you almost only hear about the unicorns. So please enjoy this unique piece with Linda Fitzgerald. Linda Fitzgerald, welcome to the Master's Journey.
1: Thank you. So great to see you, Lucas.
0: It's so awesome that you're here. And Linda, I've been really looking forward to this episode for multiple reasons. But one of them is that ever since I got into the CHPC community, into our certified high-performance coaching community, just whenever your name came up, people were always like, yeah, she's the productivity pro. She's got it all figured out. She's the most organized person I know. And whenever your name came up or whenever I got to see some recordings also of community conversations where you were a part of, just people were always raving about your productivity. you got a real reputation among people who like CHBCs themselves, they are not too shabby when it comes to productivity. <laughs> and I just wanted to start out on that, just highlighting that superpower of yours and just ask you, what do you think sets you apart when it comes to productivity?
1: Well, first of all, I've studied it and getting a lot done, high performance requires that, that we operate on a level that the average person doesn't. And for me, that means educating myself, because there are tools and tips and tricks from experts that if I, you know, learn that, and then I have it in my toolkit, I not only share it for myself, but I get to share it with everyone I work with. And that it's the ripple effect of that. When people see me being productive, then they say to themselves, well, how can I raise my bar? How can I get more done? And they start asking me about it. And Right now, I've talked to some people about what I have going on for myself. And they look at me and they say, how in the world are you doing all that? Well, one, my kids are grown. (laughs) That's that's huge. And as my kids got older, when they were in their late high school years, that was when I started dusting off my dream of all this personal development stuff. And I was able to do it. So it's been a lot of um, learn over time and learn from experts.
0: Awesome. I love that question of like, Linda, how do you do it all? Well, may I just throw that back to you? Like, how do you actually do it? What are, are there certain daily or weekly non-negotiables when it comes to productivity that come to mind that you could share with us?
1: The, the most important thing is what is it that you're really trying to accomplish? People get lost in the day-to-day. Um, I just, one of the first conversations I have with my client is about the word busy busy. You can be busy all day. And at the end of the day, look back and you got nothing of value done. And I tell them at the end of your day, I want you to say you were productive. So a lot of those busy things might not get done. There might be certain aspects of your life that you feel like, boy, I'm not living that one out of 10. But when it comes to the important things, those I'm doing at a 10. So it's a lot about choices and prioritizing.
0: Awesome. I just love going into the, the nitty gritty here, if you don't mind. Do you have like some, some kind of like daily ritual, how you plan your day so that at the end you go like, yeah, this has really been a productive day?
1: If you look at my calendar, you would see a rainbow. There's all these different colors. When friends of mine look at it, they're like, wow, your calendar looks really cool. Because all of my time slots have a color and a purpose. Mm -hmm. And then there's this certain color that is my flex time where I'll block it off because there are a number of kind of administrative activities I'm doing. But when I show up to the day and I look at my calendar, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And the other key element that I use is alarms on my phone, which sometimes drives my family bananas because the alarm will go off. And then I'll I'll say, Oh, yeah, I have to deal with that later. I'll hit snooze. Nine minutes later, the alarm goes off again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I'm not ready to do that snooze. But those having tools to help me do things, and not using my brain to try and remember stuff, instead using my technology to tap me on the shoulder when it's time to do something else. um, Just using those other tools helps too.
0: That's awesome. And another question that just came to mind, because we all know people and we probably also are people who just love to get stuff done. Like we're just that always pushing, always going forward. And something in high performance that we also teach need to challenge our clients on and also challenge ourselves on is kind of finding that balance between, okay, here's how I'm being productive, but here's also kind of my line, let's say, that I can't cross so that I can also sustain it so that I can also have that satisfaction and not feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not working every single hour, every single minute of every single day. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're just getting into that negative spiral of never feeling productive because you feel like there's always more. And that just brought that question to me. How do you define productivity for you, like healthy productivity? What, mm-hmm. what does a productive day look like for you so that you feel for yourself towards the end of the day. Yeah, check. This has been an amazing, productive day.
1: Well, I am one of those people that loves checkboxes. If you look at my planner, you'll see all these little boxes at the beginning of the day, or as the day rolls out, I'll put the, oh, got to do that checkbox. And then at different points in my day, I check in with that list and I check them off. And sometimes they get moved to the next day. Sometimes, you know, they're kind of nagging on me because they've been there for a couple of days. But the reason that they aren't getting checked is because something else is more important. At the end of the day, I want to make sure that I feel productive. And it doesn't mean that every day I have this big, fun event that I do. Because oftentimes there's just not enough hours. And I'll schedule for myself, okay, that fun thing I want to do, that's going to be a reward after I finish an achievement. So I might be working a lot and I might not really celebrate all the work I've done for five or six days, but it's on the calendar. And something my coaches used to get on me about is, Linda, you know, celebrate things. You've interviewed Paul before. Paul would get on me about celebrate, Linda. And um, celebration is not the check in the checkbox. Celebration is beyond that because I need to use that momentum and that happy, happy feeling and apply that happy energy toward the next thing that I work on.
0: Yeah. So that's Paul Gowan for everybody listening. I think yes. episode number three, of my mind is working correctly, if I can still handle all this. And <laughs> thank you so much for those insights into really the mind of somebody who stands apart when it comes to productivity in a community of people who are just focused on productivity. For Mm -hmm. the next step, Linda, I would love to take you a little bit back into your story because when we set this conversation up, one of the things that we talked about, one of the milestones you had shared with me on your personal master's journey was right when you started college and within the first week, you already realized that you had to drop your major. And that is like a huge life decision, especially at that point. And doing Mm -hmm. it within a week on the master's journey in general and just in our lives, we always talk about making good decisions, making good decisions fast. So the question that popped to my mind was, what gave you that instant clarity there to make that huge decision?
1: Oh, okay. This To give you a little bit more on that story, I've always loved math. High school, I loved math. They would give me math and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. I love it. And to this day, I love Excel. I love data analysis, I've been a financial analyst before. And so I go into college as a math major and all of a sudden I see calculus for the first time. It's freshman year, I'm at a new school, I don't know these people. And they put calculus in front of me and it was as if they were speaking a foreign language to me and here's the interesting part. There's other math majors in the class with me. They've all had calculus in high school. And they're looking at this like this is a review. And I'm thinking, what happened to the geometry and trigonometry that I loved so much and the algebra? And all of a sudden, I thought, oh, you know what, I can do this. And these new friends I have or my roommate's friends were trying to help me. Oh, come on, Linda, you know, I'll tutor you. And they meet with me for an hour or two and show me stuff. And it was just over my head. It wasn't clicking. And I tried for a few days and then I came to the realization of, if this is what a math major does, then I'm in the wrong major. I had to drop that major and drop the class because I was gonna fail it. And he, so here I am in this new school and I thought I had all this clarity and the clarity's gone. And you know, I get to college and everything is so busy and fun. And then I lose some weight and I'm like, wow, this college thing's working out. By Christmas, I had put on a lot of weight and that stress of not knowing what my major was, it it was scary. Go home at Christmas and have my grandfather who's visiting say to me, my gosh, Linda, I've never seen you so heavy. I'm like, oh my gosh, multiple things were coming at me of why this isn't working for me and. I don't know what I'm going to do for a major, but I keep showing up. I drop that class and I'm like, well, I'm a freshman. I'll just get my standard um, you know, curriculum that all freshmen have to get. And then in time, I was in a class and it was a management class. By now it's junior year. And I'd realized at this point that I wanted a business major. So junior year, I'm in a class and Professor Barry Posner, I remember it specifically, we're sitting on the floor in small groups And we're doing this sugar cube team building exercise. And all of a sudden it was just complete clarity of, it was leadership. It was leadership, it was personal development. It was that particular degree was called management. And it was as if all the clarity came to me, like this is what I wanna do. This is my thing. So I changed my major that took, that was a lot of effort, different story. We'll tell that another time. But then I knew what I wanted to do, and I graduated with a management major, and I loved everything about it. My last two years of college were me studying classes that I loved, and that's when I knew it's like, you know, a friend of mine tells me, it's like, follow your joy.
0: That's awesome. And one thing that stood out to me where you just, you were mentioning that uncertainty, you kind of fell, you know, kind of the bottom falling away from your feet hope I got that saying right. (laughs) Um, But just that that lack of clarity kind of being in that moment. And this is something that is happening just on the big picture level, let's say for a lot of people right now as we're taping Mm -hmm. this in May of 2021. And I'm just curious, are there any kind of lessons that you were able to abstract from that situation for dealing with uncertainty and making good decisions in life?
1: the there's a couple things that came out of it for me and a key one is the dreams that we have sometimes have detours and what's cool about the dream when you have it is it moves you in a certain direction and then sometimes some obstacle shows up and actually every time to me an obstacle of one kind or another shows up and you're going to have to pivot i call them pivot points you know that was a major pivot point for me where i had to make an adjustment and see where this new journey was gonna take me. So that that to me was really important. And the second thing I wanna point out is what was the story I told myself about that? And this is something I didn't get clarity on until recently. When I looked back and shared that story with people 10 years ago, I would have talked about it as how I failed. Mm -hmm. I showed up as a math major and it didn't work out. I have since retold that story and what i describe it as now is it was an amazing opportunity for me and i the way i retell the stories i met my husband in college and i started with a what if story linda what if the reason that you needed to be a math major to get in that school was maybe you wouldn't have been accepted as a business major maybe that is the reason you got into the school and that's how you ended up getting to the place to meet your husband And then the dream was to show up a little later. So instead of saying, I, you know, I, I tried to be a math major and I failed. It's, I had a detour on that dream and it brought me to a better one. And that dream got me to the location where I was supposed to be. And that's where I met a great connection of friends that I'm still close with, met my husband, we're still married now, almost 30 years. And awesome. It's, you get to retell your story. And I, I talk with my clients about that. What are those stories that you're telling yourself that are not bringing you value? In fact, they're bringing you down. I encourage people to analyze those stories and retell them. I retold my own story. And now it's about learning. It's about being willing to go through the struggle and come out better at the end.
0: Oh, I love that challenge and one of the thoughts that's coming up for me just as you were mentioning that is you know sometimes you have that question of yeah but what if that story isn't correct or what if the other story is also weird or like what is this all about and just this principle to just choose to believe what helps you right now correct
1: mm-hmm. it's that
0: who who cares if that story is necessarily factually true but if it helps you act in a better way, in a more healthy way, in a more positive Mm -hmm. way today towards the future. Isn't that just worth it? So that's like the big picture idea that I also see behind that.
1: And another thing that's really important on that sort of topic is what is the story you tell yourself? When I was a kid, I used to tell myself this story of, I have this gray streak in my hair. And whenever my mom would do my hair, I would say, mom, don't, don't let it show whatever you do. Cause she, I would do my hair different every day. It's like, don't let my gray streak show mom. Don't let it show. And it was something I hid all the time, but yet it was very much about the authentic me and who I am. Every time I cut my hair, would people would say to me, do you know you have a gray streak? It's like, yes, I know. And I was an adult when someone said to me, Oh, a gray streak. Don't you know that that's where an angel kissed you before you were born? Ooh. I never had that story told to me, but I'm going to adopt that story now. And where was that story when I was seven? And I love to tell people there's another story because I still have my gray streak. And now I don't care if it shows because it's just part of me being authentically me, the way I was made to be. Now, I share that story with people and I tell them, it's not an excuse for me not being my best self. You know, sometimes people will say, "Oh, it's, it's just the way I am. I make bad food choices." It's like, "No. I want to make choices that there are some things I don't need to change about myself. And then there are other things about me, like I told you about the weight gain, where I decided to make choices to no longer be overweight."
0: Wow. Thank you so much. And kind of going on going on from that what you shared you said dusting off your dream, that that was something that happened. And it mm-hmm. is the title of a book that you're working on. And when you shared that with me, it was just, wow, I I'd never heard that verbiage before. I had never heard a phrasing like that before. Like that's super intriguing. And so I was also super looking forward to our conversation today, just to be able to ask you, what mm-hmm. is it behind that wording? Why did you choose that? And what's the meaning behind that?
1: It, it happened when I was at, um, it actually is my own words, which is hilarious. I was at Experts Academy t- talking about my book. And this was years ago. It was the first time I went to Experts Academy. And we were in um, in groups. And I was in a group with, um, uh, oh, gosh, let me think of the name. Jermaine Griggs, I believe, is his name we were in a group and we were talking about things. And at the end, Jermaine talked to me about the book and he said, dusting off your dream. And I said, oh my gosh, that's my book title. And he looked at me, he goes, Linda, I just got that title from you. And I'm like, oh, wait, I thought you said it to me. He said, I was just repeating your words back to you. What's so funny is we have stuff in our heads that we don't realize is our own material. And then we share it with other people and they reflect it back to us. And it's, oh my gosh, that's really good. And then I was talking about my book in a different group, um, and I had a gentleman talk with me about book titles, and it was when I was with my um, book publisher, and I had on there uh, a fellow author, Martin Root, and we were talking about book titles, and he said dusting off your dream. He goes, Linda, I I initially said dust off your dream, and his suggestion to me was dusting because it's a constant thing off your dreams because we all have more than one. So my title changed during that uh, program where I was working on my book. And thanks to Martin, who one of the phrases I use are angels and heroes. When angels and heroes show up in your life to help you in some way, and you may not even cross paths again. But Martin really helped me with my book title that day. And we've helped each other on other projects since, but it was so exciting to talk with him. And Jermaine was there the first time I got the book title. And here, Martin was there the second time. And I've learned so much in my, my recent career of um, coaching and training, we don't do it alone. I started out describing myself as a solopreneur, a single business, a single person business. Hmm. And now when I do trainings and, and help entrepreneurs, I, tap, I remind them, this is not about you going it alone. There are so many services to help you. Right now, I'm an advisor with the Small Business Development Center, the SBDC here in the U.S. And different people meet with me, and that was how I got my business started. I met with advisors that were experts in different areas, and they helped me and taught me what I needed to know. So thinking that we have to go it alone as entrepreneurs is not the case. Originally, I have to admit, growing up, I was the person that was super proud to do it by myself. It would take me longer but i was so proud to say i did it all by myself now i think great linda you want to do it by yourself it's going to take you three times longer wouldn't you rather have Mm -hmm. someone help point you in the right direction
0: absolutely i can absolutely test that (laughs) and there's just another lane that i definitely want to take in our conversation today but just uh while we're here on that topic of dusting of your dreams now that we got to hear about how that title came up in terms of content what is that theme about for you?
1: The core dream that I talk about in the book is the job that I have now. And by job, I, I mean the business that I'm in. Um, helping people reach their next level of success. That was something, the seed was planted back when I was in college. I graduated from college with a management major and yet I wasn't ready to manage anything. Wasn't ready to manage people. I needed to get some experience. I wasn't ready to manage projects. I needed experience. So I had quite a few different jobs and I took my dream. I took my personal development dream and I literally put it on the shelf. And I took a job out of college. I worked at Microsoft for seven years doing all sorts of different jobs. And then I took a job as a computer trainer in a private company for seven years. Then I took another job at a high-tech startup for seven years. There's this seven-year theme thing I have going on. And the high-tech startup, I had to do basically all the things I did at Microsoft at a high-tech startup with a shoestring budget. And thank goodness, when I look to my past, I connect the dots. This is what I share with my clients. In the past, I connect the dots to figure out how I got where I am. And then when I'm looking for things for the future, I connect those moments of serendipity. And I've just had so many moments of serendipity show up. And that's, those are often pivot points for me because serendipity shows up and there's an opportunity. It might be an angels and heroes type of moment where I met Martin or Jermaine, or it could be that something lines up and I just have an amazing opportunity. And then the ball is in my court and I get to choose. Am I gonna say yes? Or am I gonna say no, what's the right answer for me? So the dusting off my dreams literally is me when my youngest child was two years from going to college. That was when I started doing all these events. And it didn't happen all at once. I found one thing and I found another. Um, I found an entrepreneur. I read a book called People Over Profit by Dale Partridge, and I read that book, and that was amazing. And then I that his event was the first event I ever went to called Startup Camp. I went to that and it just opened my eyes to what are these live events? And the amazing thing is it puts you with a bunch of other people that are striving, not competing with you, but striving for something too. And all of a sudden I started connecting with people that had bigger dreams and they they were supporting each other, not feeling in competition. It's, you know, what, my lane is a little different than yours, but here are some people that helped me move me forward. So the dusting off my dream is, is this journey I've been on and I share some other dreams that I've achieved or I'm working on. And it really is a journey. It's for a time when I first got certified in coaching, I was all about the destination. I was all about the financial abundance and how it was going to make so much of a difference for me. And the key thing I learned, and my coaches would tell me this, they'd say, Linda, you have this desperate sort of energy. Charlie's been on your show. Charlie's one of my coaches, Patrick as well. Linda, you have this, you have a great enthusiasm, but, and I would ask them, I, I'm looking, you know, my kids are off at school. I need to get my income going. My high-tech startup job went away because that company downsized and did a big reorganization. And I was no longer a part of it. So now I was a hundred percent in my company and it was scary thank goodness for my husband's job security. But for me, it's like, okay, Linda, you know, school, kids' school is here, time to step up the income. And I I would meet with people and I describe it now as they could either see the dollar signs in my eyes or they could feel the the desperate energy. Mm -hmm. And the big aha moment for me was finally figuring out what Patrick and Charlie were trying to explain to me is you have to talk with people and, and lose that completely lose that desperate feeling and and it was getting to that point that took work and now I understand it having been on the other side.
0: Yeah and I'm so thankful to you for sharing about that openly because that is the behind the scenes of entrepreneurship that nobody really talks about or maybe Mm -hmm. also that nobody really wants to look at and to have that humility of saying you know I have to go into a job on the one side and to just rethink this whole thing takes a huge load of courage that Mm -hmm. so many people don't necessarily want to talk about as I shared that in entrepreneurship where you look into the social medias and there's all the flashing and all the quick fixes and just like yeah it's all going to work so I really want to encourage people to really listen up as you're sharing about this because that's like real behind the scenes truth of what the entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. journey can also look like.
1: And what I think is so important is I would have people come up to me and ask me about my coaching certification and they would tell me you know I can't wait to get that I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars after I get it and I'll make a hundred thousand dollars the first year and uh, I'll share with them you know do you have a few minutes can I tell you my journey because as much as I love that phrase, show up, do something, burn the boats, like quit your job, can, can I give you a perspective that will, will maybe help you move forward? And they, they are like, please, please. And what I share with people is what it took for me. When I first became a coach, I was working with three other coaches, Ray, Paul, and Angela. And we all coached in both directions all the way through. So when we were done, we had 36 sessions actually 39 when you could include strategy sessions we were going in both directions of every single um every single session that we have you know the okay. curriculum and i had particularly with angela i had these major financial goals to set and i was working with this journal this particular one that was talking about finance and it was like the lot of traction I felt like I had so many things in my favor and I was so certain the law of attraction was going to work for me. And I had all these um, affirmations I was saying. And then the day hit and Angela coached me and I had to tell her I didn't reach my goal. And, and I was crushed because I thought if I believe this with certainty, it will happen. And it didn't. And what Angela did for me She said, Linda, let's talk about all the progress you've made in the last six months. And she celebrated all the progress I've made. And she helped me realize that, you know what? There are gonna be things you strive for and sometimes you're not gonna reach them and that's gonna be okay. And she celebrated all the progress I made. And for me, what I learned, this is me looking a couple of years later, because that was six years ago, um, 2016 is there are going to be things I'm going to set myself up for, and I might not reach them. But if I don't shoot for it, if I don't give it all I've got, I won't know what my potential is. And there was a major turning point for me. I had my coaches saying to me, all right, Linda, what are you going to do for your business? How are you going to get yourself out there? You're in a small town, and you keep saying to us that you're going to um, go back to your town and really help your town. And I live in Redding, California, two hours from the Oregon border. And I would say, yeah, I want to. So when I got certified, I came back, I met with key people in town, let them know, well, this is not a huge financially abundant area. And people would say, yeah, we'd love your training. If you could stop by for free, we would take you up on that training any moment. But I realized I did, I have done a lot of low cost and um free training initially. I'm not not there anymore, but that was great exercise for me. That was great practice. I did do a lot of coaching and training for people. And I told my coaches, you know what I'm okay with? I'm okay with having higher paying clients outside of my town and then offering a better rate in my town to get things established. And that that took off a little bit. Um, But I had to hit a point where I needed to start deciding what I was gonna do and how was I gonna get my company out there? How was I gonna get myself out there? Because before this, I had two groups of friends. Either they worked with me at the high-tech startup or um, they were the parents of my kids in school. I didn't have a lot of community connections. So it was my job to start planning, planning, planting the seeds for community connections. I became a member of our local chamber of commerce and I started connecting with people and people that know me from the various events in the coaching program describe me as a connector. And I wasn't always like that, but I would introduce people to each other. I would meet someone at one of our certified coaching program events, and I'd say, Oh, you're from North Carolina? Do you know that I've met two other people from North Carolina? Do you want me to introduce you to each other? And I would find them and introduce them. It was hilarious. Or I'd introduce people to products or services or another coach. I had a coach in my town. That met with me wanted me to coach him and he had his background he had military background and i said you know i am not the best coach for you let me introduce you to the coach and i introduced him to paul Mm -hmm. and he worked with paul because if i I know a lot of coaches and if i'm not the best coach for you i'm going to find one for you so i just kept adapting my business to what are people asking for what are their needs how can i best serve them and in my town there was an opportunity and it was scary there was an opportunity for me to get my company out there in a way i never thought i would do we have this event locally called dancing with the stars shasta county style and it's where local community members initially when they first did it it was the people on tv it was the one everyone knew. they've done it for 13 years now so now they're doing the people that aren't so well known they go and there's a dance instructor and an amateur and the Partner, who's the instructor teaches the amateur how to dance. And the amateur also has the project of going around town and raising funds for a local nonprofit. And I watched this with two of my friends do it. And I thought, oh my gosh, dancing. I always wondered what it would be like to dance because as a kid, I always loved dancing. Now, if you see me in my car driving on my long road trips, I'm dancing in the car as I'm singing, but my dance experience was in kindergarten ballet and I don't know maybe that lasted for three or four months so I didn't have the training and I'd watched people do it and it looked so much fun they're on stage dancing and I've been working on my courage to present from stage and I've been doing that for a while but dancing on stage so I I talked I had this kind of secret to myself and I thought well if I don't tell anyone about this dream it'll never happen but Debbie has been on the stage and debbie knows me she's in the chamber ambassador group with me and if i talk to debbie about her experience maybe she'll tell me everything i need to know but then i thought i was kind of scared maybe she'll encourage me to do it and i I wasn't quite sure i wanted to do that (laughs) and it was scary and it was vulnerable and i i had sleepless nights about it and then one day i got the courage i saw debbie at a, a chamber greeters event and i said um Debbie, do you have a few minutes to talk? And at the end we talked and I told her about, I'm thinking of doing Dancing with the Stars and I know you have to apply and you've done it before. I wanted to ask you, she's like, Linda, you'll love it. You'll love it, it's so great. It's such a great experience and you raise money. So she talked me into it and she said, I should do it. And then I'm thinking, oh great, now what do I do? i put my hand up. She said, she's gonna talk with someone. I put in my application and I go to my interview I don't have dancing experience, but I go to my interview and these two women interview me, Kathleen and Lorraine. And I'm enthusiastic because I'm excited. I feel like by doing this, I will do something great for my community of raising money. And because my company is participating in this, not just me, but it represents my company. I'm gonna get my company out in front of the community. And that would be great. More people will know about me. They can hire me for services, training, that sort of thing. And I was excited in the interview. I'm so excited that at the end of the interview, by the way, I thought I'd leave the interview I have plenty of time to think about what I wanna do. Instead, at the end of the interview, they look at each other and they say, Linda, we don't normally do this, but we want you to be in. So we're inviting you right now. In my mind, I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) What have I done? And I, I knew this would be good for me and for my company. So I said yes before I walked out of the door. I did not give myself a chance to find excuses. I knew this would be good for me, for my personal growth. I knew it would do a service for my company. I'm sorry, my community, and get some exposure for my company. So I did it, and it was a three-month journey of learning to dance for two one-and-a-half-minute segments. And I did it as a high performer. My dance partner, Josiah said to me, Linda, I've done this a number of times. I've never seen anyone take it as seriously as you. I got a dance and I went to dance classes. I had my dance partner teaching me also. And I got a fitness coach and I went and did all those fitness stuff. And I had practice. I went to dance class as well as the, um, as the choreographer helping us in, the, in learning the, the moves and everything. I really threw myself into it. Now, at this point in time, I did not have the regular full-time job. So I took my company, put it on hold a lot, and did a lot of this work. And it ended up happening at a really interesting and at the same time, unfortunate time. So what I had thought would happen was my company would get a lot of exposure locally. I thought maybe we'll be on TV, maybe we'll be in the newspaper. But this happened after the Northern California wildfires hit my town. So we did not have the investments, the local community advertising that we've had in the past. So we did all this, and I had hoped that there'd be all these brochures and all the companies for all of us that danced would be advertised. It didn't happen. And I went from having the most fun dancing on stage on June 1st to the very next day Uh, And that was like a total high. It was a blast. It was so much fun. You can look for the YouTube videos. (laughs) And then the next day I was crushed. And a couple of days later, I went to meet my fitness coach, Sarah, and I told her what happened. And she said, Linda, I saw it coming. She goes, you were pushing yourself so hard and, and you were great. And she said, and you didn't plan for the downtime at the end. And she told me about her experience of having something similar happen. So now I'm more prepared for that. Now I know how to plan, but it was an emotional um, eye opener of I gave it everything I had. I gave it everything I had and my company didn't get exposure. What was I gonna do now? And here's the really interesting thing. I have a call with Paul coaching me about a week later, maybe it was a few days later. And he asks me a question and coaching, I love coaching because you take people to a place that they didn't expect to go. And when I'm the client and I am, cause you know this Lucas, how important it is for us to be clients. Mm-hmm. When I'm the client and I, I tell Paul, when I'm, when I'm like squirming in my chair, having to address what we're talking about, I know it's good and I know I need to go there cause it's uncomfortable. And I obviously am not going there on my own. Here's the question Paul says to me, Linda, when are you going to take the amount of energy that you put into dancing with the stars and apply that same energy to your company, get your better on? Wow. I was speechless. I was, I didn't have an answer. It was really interesting to me that I was able to take all my energy and put it towards something like at a level I don't normally perform. I mean, this was above and beyond. And by the way, dancing with injuries, I had no idea the that people have. And you just keep dancing because you don't have time for them to heal. You, you lighten up a little on your practice, but <laughs> the show must go on. Mm-hmm. So that sent me on a new journey. And this is where I realized I need to take the financial burden off myself. And that was June 2nd, and I made a commitment to myself. If by the end, I I made a commitment to myself to have a job by the end of March, nine months. I can have nine months to have a baby. I can have nine months to plan a job. So I set this goal and I told myself, I'm gonna have a job by the end of March. And I started looking for a job because what I learned about myself is the way I'm going to take the dollar signs away from my eyes when I meet with these people for coaching or training or something is I need to remove the financial burden I'm feeling. And I didn't know any other way to do it than to create an income stream. You know, they talk about, if you read about millionaires, millionaires have multiple income streams. Well, okay, Linda, put your hand up time for me to get another. And I started looking for jobs. I interviewed for things I was overqualified for, things I was underqualified for. Um, I had some really great experience of interviews because it had been a while since I was interviewed because in the past, my jobs, people knew of me and they would seek me out and I would apply and get the job. So it was kind of like I already had an in. But this time I was meeting with people that didn't know me. didn't know my reputation, um, didn't know my references. But because I'd been planting seeds in the community, and having some really great connections. Jake, the CEO of the chamber here, got to know me. And, you know, I'm an ambassador for the chamber, and he speaks really highly of me. So that's a wonderful, so he's obviously on my references, and so are some other key people. Chad, who I used to work with in town, is a great reference for me. He and I worked together for years. So now I'm making my connections within the town. And I had interviews that I thought went great, and it turns out they didn't I had one interview that when I look back now, I laugh so hard. I was really excited about the job and I was super enthusiastic. And when I left in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so fun. I'll be so great for this job. I I got a no, I didn't get a second interview. And when I got some clarity afterward, I thought to myself, they must think I'm nuts because I was so enthusiastic. Okay, this is embarrassing to me. I was so enthusiastic that during, they asked me a question at one point, I went like this. I tapped on the thing and I I go, oh, and I was so enthusiastic. I thought, Linda, you did that in the interview two times. I was so excited about the value I could bring to them. And I didn't get the second interview. And I thought, okay, um, they think I'm crazy, but that's okay. But you know what? I was enthusiastic and I was me. And you know what, Linda, I say to myself, sometimes I need to rein it in. I can be like that with my friends and like, okay, she's super enthusiastic, she's she's on today. But during a job interview, I can I can hold back a little bit. Great learning experience. If I didn't have that negative experience, it wouldn't have prepared me for what I had coming. So, I had a one company who told me, "Linda, I think we're going to hire in March." I was super excited about it because that was my March timeframe. Like, how did mm-hmm. they know? And then COVID hits and they tell me Gosh, Linda, we're really sorry, but we're not going to hire. COVID has changed everything. So I'm back online looking for jobs again. And I see one and I'm thinking, you know, that I described that as a sales job. I don't really think that's a fit for me. I've done a lot of things around sales. I've done sales analysis, but I've been, you know, one of the coaches helping the sales team, but I didn't technically have all the experience myself. Um, and then I, so I didn't think of it again. And then two weeks later, I'm searching again on the website, and there's that job again. And I thought, hmm, it feels like it's tapping me on the shoulder. I should look at it again. So I look at it, and I read it, and I think, you know what? I could totally do that job. Yeah, it's a, it, I'm going to have to learn stuff, but look at what I've done in the past four years. I've learned amazing things. I can figure this out. So I apply for the job, and I get the interview. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, Linda, it's, it's kind of like dancing with the stars. It's going to be an interview, but chances are they aren't going to just flat out inter- you know, offer me the job at the end. At the end, I still get to say, no, I don't want it if they offer it. So I have the interview, and then I have a second interview. And I'm, and then I hear from them. I'm enthusiastic, and I, and it seems like a great fit for me. The job is to coordinate blood drives in my community from an hour south to three hours north, a really big region. And it's COVID time, so we're essential workers. And what my job would be to coordinate all these mobile blood drives. it's a people job, I can totally do that. It's COVID, so it's it's essential. So I'm not gonna be working from my home. And those of you that know me know that I'm a people person, I need to connect. <laughs> and I I get offered the job, but here's what's so funny. He calls me in um, in March and says, we're not able to hire right now. Just wanted to give you an update. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, well, here we go. Well, then a little bit later in March, I get a call from my boss, Joe, now my boss, and says, we're going to offer you the job. And you can't, but we can't have you start until June. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is perfect. I got the job I that i said i committed to getting some by the end of march and i would but here's what's so funny about that day the day before i get the email where he mentions we want to hire you but it's going to be in june i do this big cleaning of my home office i'm moving stuff around i'm organizing because i'm i'm doing that marie kondo stuff of clean get rid of stuff and new things will come in your life right and i do that and i feel great about my office And then i go to my email and i read that email and later that day i look in the mirror in the bathroom and i look down and i'm wearing my blood donation t-shirt that's what i was wearing that day when i was cleaning the room and all this serendipity and i'm like okay okay i got your message and it, it was just amazing as I watched these serendipity moments. And when that happened, I was just like, well, obviously, I'm supposed to say yes to this job. And this is a, what I really want people to understand is when I got that income coming in, when I was doing that job and keeping my company on the side, when that income started coming in, it removed the financial burden that I felt. I stopped talking to people as if, oh gosh, maybe they'll hire me. Maybe they'll be my client. And I started just talking to people as, you know what, here's what I do. And if that serves you, great. And if not, you know, is there someone, something else you need? Can I point you in the right direction? There was no neediness Mm -hmm. coming from me when I interacted with people. And that is when people started coming to me. If you go to my website, I don't advertise that I do strategy sessions. I don't advertise that I do coaching because what I do it now is when people come to me and ask me for it and we create something that's a fit for them. It's not just all these people saying, oh yeah, you know, I want a strategy session or whatever. So it's it's been an, a huge aha moment for me was for me, I had to remove the financial strain And that was aha moment number one. Now, here's where aha moment number two came in. This is where Patrick was part of this one. It was so fun to share with him. I noticed how my goal of personal development, getting the best out of people, helping people reach their dreams, totally mixes with my job of blood drives, of with blood drives that they fit together. Mm -hmm. And it was an aha moment because in my... Get your better own company. I'm helping people reach their next level of success, achieve their dreams, follow, go get through the struggle, get to where they really want to be. In my blood donation job, I am helping critically ill families, I should say families of critically ill patients have their dream come to life because of generous people giving blood donation because there's no substitute for human blood. The only reason it's on the shelves is some generous individual stepped up to put it there. They volunteer their time, they give the gift of blood and save lives doing it. So little did I know five years ago when I was in that struggle with Angela, where this journey would take me and that now I would have this amazing connection. And in my mind, I I have a five-year plan that I only share with a couple people and we'll see what sort of, you know, twists and turns and pivot points get in there. But right now, I had no idea that my mission would be to collect blood. And not even to collect, There's, I have a team of people that do that, but my mission is to motivate people to donate blood. And because right now that is falling on the shoulders of a lot of people that are regular donors, And there's so many more people out there that can donate. And we keep calling the same people over and over because we already know their blood type and we know we need them. And we're trying to, I am not trying, I am working on getting the word out of the importance of blood donation. And I would love it Lucas, if people would comment on this video, if they're a blood donor or if they want to be or if they're going to be, because when we're generous and we give of ourselves, In a way, I'm not expecting anything back. It's hilarious how all these things come back to us. So I've had a very long journey of that stressful moment of how am I going to finance what I want to do? And what I realized in creating the book is it's not that end dream of financial security abundance, whatever people want to call it. It's who I became on the journey. I am not the same person that Paul Gowan met the first time we met at an event. And he has a hilarious story about the Linda then and the Linda he met as she evolved to someone else. Because I've transformed myself into a better version of me. And, and I've just loved the growth, but it's it's been an, it's been work to get there
0: you so much for sharing that Linda and challenge received on the one side for everybody listening and watching and just this thread that I see in the story that you share with us just to find the opportunity in everything basically what's what could be the sign what could be the opportunity what's possible still why could Mm -hmm. this be useful and playing off of that and just so many hugely important lessons for any entrepreneur wantrepreneur as some of them are called, like I don't Oh, really I like, like that. I haven't
1: that heard that before. <laughs> really? Entrepreneur, I love it. So, I yeah, that. that is
0: <laughs> it's actually sometimes used a little bit in a derogatory manner, which is like me, eh, not yeah. sure about that. But just mm-hmm. to, to have the reality of this journey, where I know people like Gary Vaynerchuk often talk about the fact that entrepreneurship has kind of gotten this vibe of entitlement where it's just like, yeah, you just throw your hat in the ring and you're for some reason entitled to make it so this is one of the core values that i wanted to bring into this whole podcast and that you just hit right there into the bullseye to also bring those stories about what is it actually like not to demotivate people but to Mm -hmm. give them like the real perspective of what is it like what do you need to expect sometimes but also it's not necessarily that you're just terrible not good enough it's just that the game is a challenge so thank you so so much for sharing your story with us linda and there's one thing that i also noted down for myself that i was just dying to get into today and (laughs) you shared with me a phrase from your book publisher and he told you at one point in your book i don't want you to bring up many other people speak to your own audience and then Mm -hmm. another phrase you had shared with me was and it was something that was kind of highlighted in a couple of pieces from your story that you share with us. I spent two years of my life trying to be Brendan. That's Brendan Bashar. Yes. And I can also admit to that. <laughs> so we're absolutely in that same boat. And I know some pieces of this have been touched on in the story that you shared, but I still wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that because sure. on the one side, there is that, that neediness that you shared that sense of desperation that just Mm -hmm. drives people away on the other side there's also this challenge of figuring out what's kind of the unique value that i can bring because if we're trying we can't beat brendan at brendan's game we can't beat another person at their own game and when you shared those two phrases with me to in your book not mention too many other people stick with your own stories and not trying to be brendan trying to be full authentic linda Mm -hmm. I was just super curious because that's a question going on in my mind right now. Personally, I'm sure in many people's minds, it's like, how do I figure out who I really am or how to really be myself? Are there a couple lessons and insights that you can share with us on that?
1: Well, it's funny because it ties into my subtitle of my book, because the title of the book is Dusting Off Your Dreams. And the subtitle is Sharing Your Authentic Self with the World. Mm hmm. And I, after I got certified as a coach, I spent two years being Brendan, being what I thought was him, which was wonderful because it was immersing myself in what I knew I needed to do to grow myself. And Charlie taught me a great idea. If you ever talk with Charlie, he'll tell you how many coaching sessions he's had. And I loved that concept. So I started tracking everything and I recalculated last night. I've done 649 coaching sessions. Woo. And I, I wanted to make sure I was working on getting better. And one of the things I noticed when I talked with other coaches is they would come back for recertification and I would say, you know, how's it going? What are you doing? And they're saying, oh yeah, I've done a few sessions. And they weren't practicing what they've been taught. They weren't working with people. Um, so that would be a tip I would really want to share with people is whatever the skill is that you invested in, use it, build it because for me, that made all the difference over time was applying things. And as far as the aha moment for me to stop being Brendan, after two years, I still was not where I wanted to be, but the foundation I built was amazing. And I had to make a switch in my head of what are the Linda things? And everyone that has met me at an event knows that serendipity is a really big deal to me. They, and they'll tell me afterward, Linda, my gosh, I'm seeing serendipity all over the place now because you planted that seed with me. And I said, you know what? It was there before. You just didn't see it. So now my thing for sharing is serendipity. That is me. And I'm hearing people talk about it. And I now own the URL of serendipitystories.com. And I have the logo. And as you know, I'm working on the podcast Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of sharing serendipity stories because people bring them to me all the time. And I realized that is me, that is my thing. That is me being authentically me. And I still do the other things, but I chose what I wanna be known for. And I chose based on what I love, not what I think will make me money. God. And the beauty of it is money is not a motivator for me anymore because financially I have, I work at talent and i'm a a coordinator for blood drives that's taken care of and to take some pressure off some other people with little children i don't have little children right now my husband and i are you know our kids are grown and now i'm able to pursue things that those time slots that used to mean i was driving to a baseball game sporting event or something that's now my time and my time with myself or with my husband or my friends And that's where I'm able to really devote my time to what I want to be and what value can I bring? So I go back to when Paul said to me, you know, Linda, when are you really going to put that level of dedication that you put toward Dancing with the Stars towards your business? And this is what I realized. And this was why I was so quiet when he first said that to me is I wasn't dreaming big enough. and it scared me to dream bigger. And now those people that are really close to me know my five year dream. And I am dreaming so much bigger now. And I found a really wonderful mission of blood donation to attach myself to Hmm. along with the coaching and the training that I do and all the people that I interact with and creating great interactions with them and having people afterward, like wanna interact with me again because I left them with such value that now I'm applying my coaching skills and my leadership skills every day. And I'm increasing my skills for my own business at the job that pays me. Yeah,
0: that's so fascinating. Thank you so much. Just one question that came to mind, also in terms of finding that authentic self. Because yes. you had mentioned like the feedback you're getting from people, and you also said like figuring out what it is that you love. And I know that many people with that question of like, what is it that I love? And suddenly there are 10 different things kind of popping right. up. Are there certain questions that you use or serendipity moments that came up mm-hmm. for you where you really realized like, that is it. That is spot on. What helped you the most do you feel in making that decision of this is my thing?
1: Really, it's intuition, listening to my intuition. And I've had different moments where like I get this, I describe it as a feeling washing over me or um, just like feeling at my core that there's something pulling me forward. And the serendipity stories, it was Every single time I would talk with people and I would be at an event and someone would come up to me and say, serendipity story, Linda. Oh my gosh. I had three of them yesterday. When I'm at these events and we're all operating with each other, you know, we're interacting a lot. I have even more of them. So to me, it's like, there's an energetic thing. And if you know, JP, who lives in Australia, JP, and I love to talk about the energy and energy in the room. And, um, you know, he taught me about attention. He goes, Linda, attention is a real thing. And you know, he's really brought things to my mind that I never thought of before, but um, just striving for what feels like that next thing, even though we don't know what it is. And, and the best description is driving in the dark. You don't know exactly where you're going, but your headlights will get you 200 feet. Mm-hmm. And as after you go those 200 feet, the headlights get you the next 200. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's those pivot points that keep pointing me in the right direction. And I just keep going. Um, it, for my logo, it's better on as my company name. And then underneath it, it says improve every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what I work on doing. It's, it's those small steps. It's, it's kind of the concept of compound interest for your finances, for yourself. You, you just keep making these small steps. And you know, for me, five, six years later, I can't believe everything that I'm doing right now. I can't believe all the things that I look at my on my accomplished list and, and the pivot points that have, thank goodness, pointed me in the right direction, I didn't need to know what I was going to do in five years, I need to have an idea of it. And I needed to keep taking action of what do I need to do today. Mm -hmm.
0: And as we know, as coaches, you mentioned it, like, how important it is to celebrate wins. So I just want to take a moment here to just acknowledge you in front of all people for being able to say like, hey, look at those last six years and what I've done. And I know personally, and probably a lot of people listening (laughs) know when they think about it, oh my gosh, there have been way more things than I've done well that I'm not even seeing to just acknowledge that. So also congratulations to you, Linda, for all that you've done. And the way that you're helping also the world right now in just so significant ways.
1: And Lucas, I would love to give people an action item, though I don't call them action items. I call them attraction items because of the law of attraction. Mm -hmm. With that phrase, the law of attraction, that last word, the last six letters is action. So I would love for people to take an action as a result of our interaction. And that would be, this is something from my book, write down all the pivot points in your life. All those moments that felt like they you know, they hit you at the bad time or, oh, gosh, darn it, that happened, but ended up pointing you in a good place. Or add to that list the major experiences and achievements that you've accomplished, that you're proud of. And then you start looking at your history and you think, I've done a lot of things. And even though certain challenges came my way, I was stronger because of it. Because when I made that list for myself, when I went through and made my um, my pivot point list of all those things that I went through that maybe steered me in the wrong direction, having my having to change my major, that was such a gift. I didn't know it at the time, but when you're going through a struggle, imagine in the future, you're gonna see it as a gift. So instead of win and lose, as Paul talks about, it's, it's win and learn. And what do you learn when you're in a struggle? I have this rule, I call the rule of Steve, which is a boss I used to have uh, when I was at the high tech company. And Steve and I, some nasty challenge would come our way. And we would. he lived in LA and I lived in Northern California. We'd be on the phone regularly. And he's like, oh gosh, darn it. He says, what is the lesson we need to learn here so we can learn it and it'll go away. (laughs) Because I say, if you don't learn the lesson the exact same lesson is gonna come back to you later. So learn the lesson, find out the struggle comes, they always will. What is the lesson you're supposed to learn and take it and then take action. Mm
0: -hmm. Thank you. Love that action item always. That's also who we are as coaches. Linda, there's one little thing I know we're getting a little bit up to our time limit. I just want to take us like one real pivot and just ask you about one more thing that I'm personally also super curious about. And it's going back to your productivity systems side that you're also applying to Mm -hmm. your job right now. And one of the words that I've just been reading on all your sites multiple times is Mm -hmm. frameworks, when you're helping people building frameworks, Mm -hmm. building systems for them, whether that's in coaching, whether that's for leadership, all these Mm -hmm. things. And what we know, and I know that all people who are also not necessarily in coaching, training or anything like whenever we're trying to empower people, it's always easiest to have a framework to have a system that just helps people remember, helps people connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And since you're just so expert at it, I just wanted to ask you how you think through the process of building a framework to share with people.
1: It's um what's funny is they come to me in weird ways. I tend to get them on long car rides. Um Our our nearest large airport is over two hours away. So when my husband and I are driving one of the kids to the airport to go back to school, I usually do the early dark, two in the morning part, because the flight takes off at 6 (laughs) a.m. after that part. And then on the way home, my husband drives and I have a pad of paper on my lap because there's something about he loves to drive in the quiet. Mm -hmm. And I need music or something to sing along and stay awake at two in the morning. But by now it's later, it's about 5.36 and he's driving and I have two hours in the car and I can't sleep. So I'll have a pad in my lap and just the quiet. I come up with all these ideas Mm -hmm. and I come up with really wonderful frameworks when I'm driving in the car. It's hilarious. I'm not the driver, (laughs) mind you, I'm the passenger. Um, Other times I come up with great frameworks is when I'm working out. And often when I work out, I'm watching... Um, I set up my phone on a tripod to do some sort of podcast, entertainment video sort of thing. And people will say something and it inspires me Mm -hmm. and I'll have a pad of paper next to me. So I'm pausing and I'm I'm writing things down. So for me, a lot of them come from either the quiet or the inspiration of being with other people. And quite a few of them are, are in the book. One of them, just to be able to share with people, one of them is I call strengthen your core. C-O-R-E, and what that is, is courage, opportunity, relationship, relationships, and experiences. Mm-hmm. And I go into depth on each one of those, and, and courage to me is particularly funny because six years ago, when I graded myself, that uh, I think four years ago, when I graded myself on courage and challenge... I scored a three on a scale of one to 10, one being I have no courage or challenge at all. Both of them, I scored a three. And since then, my coaches, myself, have held me to a much higher level. And I realized every time I stepped up with courage, it opened a door for me. Mm -hmm. It was hard at the time, dancing with the stars, that opened a door for me. The reaching out to the chamber, when I met Jake and and got more involved there, Jake was my key reference to the boss I have right now because I didn't know at the time, but they're very good friends. So you you work on um, just planting the seeds and doing what feels right, and then you see what sort of things come your way.
0: Thank you so much for this awesome conversation, Linda, and I just wanted to ask you, if people now want to learn more about you, learn more about Better On, learn more about what you're up to, how they can also interact with you, where would you send them?
1: They can go to my website, which is getyourbetteron.com and learn more about me. That's the best place to start. Or they can oh. connect to me or you know, follow me on Facebook. I also have Get Your Better On as a Facebook page.
0: Awesome. So as always all these links all the notes all the books and all the names and people and other conversations other resources that we mentioned in this episode as always will be put into the show notes that come with this episode so that you can all check those out at your own convenience and then that brings me to the very final question that i've been asking every single person on this podcast so far and that question is what question has made the biggest difference in your life Hmm.
1: I, I think it's, you know, what can I do to improve today? Improving every day is what I work on. And as a coach, it's really important for me to show the way. So I, it's important to me to be a role model of living my best self. So it's asking myself questions that help me live into that best version of myself.
0: Awesome being the role model. I love that. Linda, this has been just a blast. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Lucas. It's so great to see you again. I look forward to when it's in person.
0: Definitely, can't wait for that. (laughs) And there you have it, my friend. Congratulations for completing the next step on your master's journey. We hope you enjoyed this episode and got a lot from it to improve your life and work. If you did, please consider taking just one action to help us spread the value. Who do you know could really benefit from this content right now? Share the episode with them and show them you care about them. Share the episode with your friends and followers on social media, or leave us a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Any one of these actions takes less than 60 seconds, but it could change everything for another person. And if you also want to help me out personally, this would be an incredibly generous way to do so. You can find show notes with timestamps, links, quotes, and other details we talked about in this episode at lucaskramer.net slash the number 22. That's L U K A S K R A M E R.net slash 22. If you've got any feedback or questions, if you want to share aha moments you experienced, or if you simply want to connect, I'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email at lucas at lucaskramer.net. That's lucas at Lucaskramer.net. The master's journey is getting more and more exciting by the day. I've got more incredible high-level guests coming up and I'm also personally working on some huge projects that I can't wait to share with you. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic rest of your day and see you super soon.